Our gospel text today is from the Gospel of Luke. We'll be looking at uh, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Chapter 19, 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it, and a man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. And all who saw it began to grumble and say, he is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I frauded anyone of if I frauded anyone of everything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So for the first six years of my life, uh, we lived uh, in a trailer park uh, right on the corner of 51 and Star Landing. Um, uh, we lived there until we built a house right when I was in the first grade. And it was just me and my folks. It was my sister didn't come along until I was 10. I was an only child for the first 10 years of my life. Uh, and when Hannah came along, I had a pretty subdued personality. Uh, but before that, in those earlier years, I had a substantially more... Winnie-esque temperament, one could say. Um, I was a bit of a, of a bucket of energy back then, if you can believe it. Um, but the way uh, that I remember that trailer more than anything, the thing that I remember about that house, besides the fact that there were kids uh, on the opposite side, three houses deep, there were kids uh, you know, two houses down, there were people to play with all the time. The thing that I remember more than anything else was the tree that was in the backyard. Uh, I don't remember what kind of tree it was. I was not uh, very much so a horticulturist at the age of five, but I texted my mom yesterday and said, what kind of tree was that? She said, it was a poplar tree. I've seen a poplar tree and know that, that the tree that I remember was not a poplar tree. Poplar trees are tall, poplar trees have a trunk. This tree was wide and had big green leaves that uh, you know, just were beautiful and shiny. I, th I think it was magnolia almost. It's what I'm remembering, but it's not what it was. There's no way in heck that it was a magnolia tree. But it was, uh, the, the bottom row of branches were low to the ground. They were easy for me to get a hold of, and they were easy for me to climb. I remember climbing that tree every day. Um, and, and that's the thing that I remember about that house more than anything else. And so I I can remember the layout of it. I can remember where my room was. I don't remember anything that was in it, but I remember that tree. Because that tree was my freedom in that moment. That tree, there's something about climbing a tree, right? I don't know when the last time any of y'all climbed a tree. I know now that I'm a bigger guy, I have not climbed a tree in quite some time. <laughs> But there's something about finding the right handhold right when you need it. There is something about sitting up among the leaves higher than you have any right to be that almost makes it feel like that tree was put there for you in that moment for the place that you were in, the frame that you had at that minute, the fact that that branch can hold you in just the way that it was. 
there's something about climbing a tree. And that's been the case across human history. There's something enjoyable about climbing a tree. Long before there was ladders, there was trees. Of course, though, that is a thing that happens when we're younger. We don't normally get to climb trees all the time. And that's one of the things I think we love about the Zacchaeus story. One of the things we love about the Zacchaeus story is that this isn't, uh, this isn't a kid having fun. This is a dignified man, a rich man, climbing up a tree to see something. I think that's part of the reason we love this story so much. Another reason we love this story so much, like Alicia alluded to earlier, is that dang song. There's something about that song that sticks to us. I don't remember anything else that happened in Sunday school, but I remember that song. And when I started looking it up this week, do y'all know? Nobody knows who wrote that song. Like, there's no, like... I dug hard, couldn't find anything about when that song was written, where it came from, when it was first published, anything like like that. It's just one of those things that has just been carried through by sheer force of will and catchiness. Uh, it's, I don't know how it works, but it's one of those songs. But I know that it has been stuck in my head all week as I've been preparing this story, preparing looking at this man climbing the sycamore tree in Jericho. Now, of course, the song tells us that Zacchaeus is a wee little man, which would probably be offensive to any wee little man. Uh, I don't know why they decided to use that language. He is small in stature, yes. And he's climbing in the tree to get a good look of this Jesus that so many people had been talking about. I love this in part because Jesus' reputation was ahead of him. I also love this because Jesus walking through Jericho on the way to Jerusalem, Jericho is not something Jesus really cares about in this situation. Luke tells us a couple of chapters before that his eyes were set on Jerusalem. He knew what was coming as he was heading to Jerusalem for Passover. But the sight of this tax collector in a tree was enough to give Jesus pause. To put it shortly about Zacchaeus, what are you saying? Oh, oh, boom, boom. No, that was not a Zacchaeus pun. <laughs> to put it shortly, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. It, and a tax collector in this time, we've talked about it before, was not a liked person. A tax collector is the person who was, who gives the money to Rome uh, that is the appropriate amount of taxes for the place that they are over. And then from then on, have to then recoup the losses that they just had to give to Rome. There is not a collection and then delivery. It is, we, I've already given my money to Caesar and now I have to catch up. And so they're catching up not just to make back the money that they just gave up for next time. They are also catching up because there is no wages for a tax collector. They have to get their wages from the other people. So they're not just getting taxes. They're also just getting money for them. So not only is this what looks to be a greedy profession, but it is also a reminder to the Jewish people that there, the Rome is still here. Even if we can't see the war horses, there is still this oppression among us. They are seen almost as traitors. So when Zacchaeus climbs up in a tree, we talk about the fact that he's doing it for the visibility to see something, right? But there's also this desire to not be seen on some level. He knows that the people don't like him. Where else to hide but up in the branches of a tree? So we see 
that there's a possibility that, that Zacchaeus isn't just trying to see Jesus, but he's also trying to not be seen by other people. Of course, if he knew our Jesus, especially as Jesus is talked of in Luke's gospel, Zacchaeus would realize that there's a futility in hiding. Jesus has a tendency to see those pushed to the edges, to see those who don't want to be seen. He has a tendency to sit down and connect with those who are hurting and with those that are broken. And on this day, that is exactly what he's going to do. Because Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, get down here. I'm eating at your house today. Jesus does what he does best. He sees and he acknowledges the normally unseen. He looks at Zacchaeus and doesn't see an inconvenience or a problem, an outcast, an enemy, a reminder of Rome. He sees a person. He sees a friend. He invites him to the table. He doesn't just invite them to a table. He invites, the, he invites Zacchaeus to Zacchaeus' table, which is, if anybody besides Jesus tried to do that in my life, we might fight. <laughs> because there's something about saying, I'm going to show up at your house and you don't have time to clean it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, yesterday, I told you all already, I was trying to clean my garage, but we were just doing tidiness in the house. It was the first Saturday we've had in quite some time that we weren't doing something, uh, officiating a wedding or doing something with Alicia's family or some hither and yon that requires our attention. So it was the first time we were able to actually buckle down and get some things taken care of. So Alicia's cleaning the kitchen and Eden comes up and says, Hey, so who's coming over? (laughs) Because normally you only do this when somebody's coming over. And I'm not prepared for somebody to come over. And we were like, well, we're not either. And that's part of the reason we're doing this. But nobody's coming over right now. That's not what we're here to do. Jesus is saying, I must come to your house. The interesting thing is the Greek word for must here, it it has an implication of an actual divine command. It's not just saying, you know what I really want to do? I really want to come over to your house. It's basically saying, God commands that I come to your house. God is saying, this is going to happen. There is such a weight to it. So, basically, Jesus forces himself into this situation. He forces Zacchaeus to pop, o- to pop down out of that tree and to, to, to become friends with him. He forces him into Zacchaeus' life. In her article entitled, Why People Climb Trees, Josephine Livingstone says, those who climb trees are often lonely or in search of a vantage point that separates them from anybody else. But there is an inevitable corollary to this solitary quest, a lesson that my tree climbing habit taught me over the years. It's harder to go down than it is to go up. If anybody remembers climbing a tree, that is true. There is something about looking and finding the next handhold at your eye level, but when you try to find those handholds again on the way down, it's easy to slip. It is easy to miss it. It is easy to fall flat on your back on some sweet gum balls. (laughs) It is easy to mess up. It's hard to go back. And so when we see Zacchaeus having to get down from that tree, especially realizing he was a rich man in rich man clothes, there's probably a commotion. Any, th- any desire for him to not be seen 
is now completely shot in the foot because he is likely not coming out of that tree gracefully. Because there's not many people, especially at whatever age Zacchaeus might find himself being, that can come out of a tree gracefully. So Zacchaeus comes out of a tree and is suddenly seen by all of the people around him. And we know that those people aren't happy to see him. Understandably so. As we said before, tax collectors were not the most liked people. And so not only are they mad that Zacchaeus is there, they are mad that Jesus is friends with him. Oh, look, he's going to hang out with another sinner. They're surprised Jesus would stoop to this level. Jesus can see Zacchaeus as the person he is, but the crowd cannot. It's directly after this that Zacchaeus launches into his plan to give half of his possessions away. More than half. He says four times. If I've ever defrauded anyone, he says, I'll give four times up of the defrauding. Uh, I don't know about y'all. I've always read that as a confession. I've always read that as a sort of, you know, I've hurt some people and so I'm going to fix it. But when I was reading it today to try to understand exactly, because if you think about it, that's kind of a quick 180, right? People are grumbling, and then he immediately looks to Jesus and says this. It doesn't seem like it is something out of a a contrition. It is not a, a, a desire to change because there hasn't really been any sort of redemption in this story. It's not like Zacchaeus changed. All he did was get out of a tree. One way to read it, then, is that he's saying this loudly for these people to hear it, to say Yo, I'm a good guy. I'm trying. I don't know which way we can read it, but it doesn't matter. Because so often when we're dealing with people, we expect a sort of immediate change in order to love them. But Jesus is showing it doesn't matter if they change or don't change. It doesn't matter what their position is. The matter is that we care for them. Not because he's done something or hasn't done something, but because he's a person and he's a child of God. There are times in our lives when we find ourselves hiding in that tree because of shame or because of worry or because we don't want to be around people or because we don't know what the crowd will do to us. That's when Jesus shows up and reminds us just how loved we are. And there are times when we're the crowd, balking at the audacity of our Savior for loving someone like that. Wherever they are from, whatever they're doing, whoever they are. But Jesus is audacious. And that's not a bad thing. Jesus is audacious enough to invite himself into our lives without giving us enough time to gussy it up. Jesus is audacious enough to love us no matter where we're at. Jesus is audacious enough to love even those we've thought unlovable. You see, sometimes in our hurry to cast judgment, we can see through the eyes of the crowd and see an enemy When Jesus calls us to look through the eyes of Christ and see a friend. Because ultimately Jesus is audacious enough to invite us all to sit at the table with him. It's a table that God makes to make strangers turn into friends. To make friends out of enemies even. 
It's here that the work can be done to find grace where we didn't know grace could exist. It's at the table that the real work of communion is done. The work of knowing and of being known, of communicating, of finding yourself and finding each other, and in doing so, finding God. Of course, these are all relationships that Jesus initiates because just like Zacchaeus, we don't have to do anything, say anything, posture in a certain way in order to make Jesus come looking for us. Jesus has a way of finding us when we don't want to be found. Jesus has a way of spotting us in our most inconvenient spot. Relationships with Jesus are initiated by Jesus because he's good and because he wants to know us and because he wants to love us as only he can. So today, as we come to the table of the Lord, may we each see the God who invites us to be a part of God's story. May we each see the image of God in our neighbors who are invited to the same table to eat the same bread, to drink of the same cup. And in doing so, we may we love them the way God loves them. But also, and this one's important, and sometimes we forget to say it, may we see ourselves not as the way the world sees us, be it a screw-up or a tax collector or a grown man climbing trees some broken thing. But may we instead see ourselves as beloved children of God, worthy of the spot at the table that God has lovingly set for us. May we pray.